This is Danny and Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Streaming nationwide on the 710 Sports app and 710sports.com. Now here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Got some updates for you about the Kraken expansion draft. We're going to have a special uh, today. Starts at 5 o'clock, 5 to 7 Bob Stelton, Mike Salk, and John Paul Morosi as the expansion roster is is unveiled. We, those picks are announced, but they had to be filed this morning. So we, we know that Chris Dreger, who is goaltender for the Florida Panthers, he's been selected by the Seattle Kraken. He's also been signed to extension, as has Adam Larson, who is uh, a player from the Edmonton Oilers, also been selected. He's 28 years old, a former first-round pick. Two guys who have not been picked, goalie Carey Price, who was probably attracted the most attention after he was left unprotected by the Montreal Canadiens, and Vladimir Tarasenko from the St. Louis Blues. Neither of those guys was chosen by by the Seattle Kraken. So those were two higher-priced players with some, some injury questions, and neither one of those guys got picked. Chris Giordano, I saw, a Calgary Flames captain. He has been selected as well. So that's that's an idea of some of the transactions that we're becoming aware of with the Kraken. Yep, and as the day progresses, we'll continue to give you more updates. It's very exciting, though, to actually put some names behind the uniforms that we will soon see also revealed. Last night, they finally showed us what those uniforms are going to look like, too, and I guess they're going to go on sale in a couple of weeks. The Mariners are wrapping up a pretty quick five-game road trip to start the post-All-Star break. They play the Colorado Rockies today in an afternoon They they in an afternoon game. They won a game last night that was... I was it's, it's the kind of game that good teams win. It's a matchup between two guys who um, Marco Gonzalez has been Seattle's best pitcher over the last three years, has had a tough go of it this year. Herman Marquez started for the Rockies. He's been one of the Rockies, probably the Rockies' best starter this year and looked really good early. Mariners fell behind 2-0. They ended up clobbering their way back into it. They win 6-4. They're a good team. If they they've really in my mind that they've proven they've proven that through these last two months two and a half months they're seven games above five hundred they're a good team they are seven games above five hundred are we really going to go so far as to call them good though I mean yep. good I feel like eh, good I feel like we got to have a little bit of a higher bar to clear for good I can say above average I don't know Danny that this is a legitimate we're going to be here where we're at right now a month from now. Two months from now. And and until I see that, I guess I'm sitting back and I'm waiting for just a little bit more proof. Though I have been impressed by what I've seen thus far. So, at the risk of sort of getting into a semantic debate about the difference between good and above <laughs> average, I think that they've earned the right or the need to be added to this month. Like, the, the Seattle's front office and its ownership needs to add to, to their team. I think that they've earned that right. I like that. Let's, yeah, let's stay away from the semantic argument. That's true. Whatever they are, they have earned a shot at a reinforcement, if you will. And I guess the, the means with which they get that guy, that is now the biggest question that I imagine is on first Jerry DePoto's mind, but also the guys upstairs as far as what they want and what they don't want. Ryan Davis had brought this point up when we talked to him yesterday of you, you do your decisions as a front office. They do have an impact on the guys in the clubhouse and players do watch to see, hey, are we going to do something to make this team better? Are we going to do something? And Ryan, when he when he pointed it out to us, and I thought he said it pretty well, is 
what what they do here, it's going to send a message to guys that they've invested in. And this isn't a group of players who have been brought here for and, and are sort of playing out the string and they're going to be good when the rest of the players get up there. These are guys that they hope are part of the nucleus and you kind of need to give them a vote of confidence. And the way you do that is not by saying good job, it's by adding to the roster. Here's Ryan. got to reward your players for playing well and putting you in a position that you've overachieved. Like, how do you tell J.P. Crawford, who is the emotional leader of this team and who takes everything so personally that you're not going to add, that you don't believe in all the things that they've done to this point, whether or not the numbers say that it's correct, They've gotten here by playing well and doing these things. How do you tell those guys in that clubhouse, A, you're going to trade your best outfielder, or B, you're not going to add and help them out? It's basically slapping them in the face, saying, hey, we don't really believe in you, but we'll believe in you next year. Either you believe in them all the time or you don't. Maybe they don't add somebody at the trade deadline, Danny, but the way that Divish laid it out there, I 100% agree with him. Moving on from Mitch Hanniger not only hurts your team in the short term and probably the long term, it's also a giant middle finger directed at their roster because you're saying, all right, hey, this guy that's probably been your best player today or this year, he's, he's not as important as what comes down the road. And if you're any of these guys who are just trying to make sure that you have a place on this roster in the near future, and I don't think that's guaranteed for many of these guys given some of the young talent that's going to be coming up. We obviously saw it with Cal Raleigh in his first two hits last night. Mm-hmm. We've seen it with Jared Kelnick back up in the majors. Some of these guys, I mean, this might be their only opportunity to have a legitimate chance to compete for something. And while maybe that doesn't matter in the long-term scheme of things, it does matter to those guys. Do you have the nucleus of a winner right now? And that's not just the guys on the big league roster. I, you can extend out and look at Julio Rodriguez, who's in Arkansas right now in, in, in AA, and probably well. we'll look for him being in the big leagues next year. He, he might. It's possible he's going to make a push to get there this year, but certainly to, to see and, and wonder if he's going to make it next year. Do you have the nucleus of a winner right now? Cal Raleigh is your catcher. J.P. Crawford at, at shortstop. Luis Torrens as a bat who might play some catcher as well because he's clobbering the baseball, Ty France. I, I don't know if Kyle Seeger fits into part of that. Mitch Hanniger, who you can have for another year. Jared Kelnick, Luke Fraley, like these guys. Do you have the nucleus of a winner right now? And if your answer to that is yes, now is the time to start adding. You don't subtract from that group to for, for a short-term run at a playoff berth this year. But if you, if you answer yes, that yes, we have the nucleus of a winner. They, they're, starting, they're starting to win the way that we expect them to win, and it's only going to get better from here. Then you start adding. I think they have the nucleus of a winner. And to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I guess if, if the definition of the Mariners right now is good, then being a winner doesn't necessarily mean that you're a World Series contender, but it does mean that you are a competent baseball team. And I do think that they have a good nucleus. J.P. Crawford. I like what I'm seeing. Ty France, I like what I'm seeing. I don't know that Mitch Hanniger is going to be a part of it. We'll see what happens with Jared Kelnick and Cal Raleigh. But you have two really good players that are both hitting at a very, I think, impressive clip at this point in time. And then add in Logan Gilbert because Logan Gilbert has been tremendous over the past yes. couple of starts. Yeah, Logan Logan actually might be one of the real reasons that we're talking about this this turn that they've made. The difference that he has made when he came up and I I'm not surprised that he had a bigger initial impact than than Jared Kelnick. I am surprised at the course, at the fact that, that Logan Gilbert has gotten better 
as opposed to hitting the ground as sort of this six foot seven pitcher that nobody knew what to do with or nobody had any idea. He's gotten better over the course of his 10 starts. His best two starts have been his last two starts. And that should be incredibly encouraging for people uh, when they're when they're looking at the at the direction that this team is going. Yeah, no doubt about it. And now I guess the next step is. Are there going to be any other young players that that join you this year? You know, you mentioned Julio Rodriguez a little bit ago. He's been playing really well in Arkansas, and I I think that is worth a mention because I remember at the beginning of the year that there was at the very least a hint of an implication that maybe, and certainly not a guarantee, but maybe that's somebody that you see by the end of the year. Is that possible? I I, I wonder. I'm skeptical, and you're making a face too, and I think you're you're doubting it. all Does I he even say. have a hundred at bats? No, at no. But I mean, that did that did that really matter? In the past? Yeah, it did. Like when 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 Kelnick got up here, I mean, the the limited amount of experience that a player can have. Like I, I would look at it and say, I I think they left open the possibility because they didn't just want to slam the door shut and say, hey, there's no chance you're going to get up here. He's he's got nine home runs between Everett and, and Arkansas this year. I I would look at it more. The fate of this season is not who else is coming up. The fate of this season is on the guy that started yesterday's game. The fate of this season and and whether where it goes from here, I think is going to be on Marco Gonzalez. I think it's going to be on Jared Kelnick. I think it's going to be if you get the kind of contributions, if you get Marco closer to what he's been the previous three seasons than to what he was the first three months of the year. And this was... How much of a step in the right direction? I thought it was a good one. I think it's a baby it, it's, step. I, I, listen, a, I, I'll, I'll take it. I'm not. I'm not going to act like it's bad. Uh, but I, I think it's a it's a baby step. We five was, innings, five innings. He he did have traffic early. Mm-hmm. He he did have some right. traffic on there. Scott Service, the skipper after the game, and m- maybe he's just trying to sell us on this, and maybe he's trying to to do his put his best foot forward to make it. But Scott Service after the game thought that the five innings that you saw from Marco Gonzalez were a significant improvement. The key to tonight's game was really Marco Gonzalez, no question about it. He got us off to a good start. Uh, kind of looked what we're used to. He looked like what we're used to seeing out of Marco. Uh, the cutter was a bigger pitch for him tonight. Uh, had a little bit more break to it. Uh, he got some ugly swings on it, which is a good sign. Uh, I thought he did a heck of a job, and you know, gave up made the one mistake there uh, in the fifth inning for the two-run homer to, to Joe. But other than that, I was really, really encouraged, happy uh, the way he threw the ball, and then. That's a guy being a good manager, though. That's a guy that is making sure that his pitcher feels like he is taking steps in the right direction. And that's good. That's what you want a manager to do. But do, do you 100% agree with his assessment, Dan? Yeah, I do. Hmm. He, he, he left one pitch over the plate, and a guy who had never homered in the big leagues Jeez, crushed it. He crushed that. <laughs> he did. He smoked it. He hit it like 440 feet. The like, just absolutely go. Connor, right. Connor Joe clobbered it. But... It's Coors Field. He pitched five innings. He allowed two runs. I I thought he was tough. I thought he was competitive. Yeah, I do think I do think that he looked better. Right. Um. I look. It, it's a step in the right direction. And and we talked about this yesterday. If they are going to actually be hanging around at the end of the year, he has to be this because I I think right now with with Yusei Kikuchi, you're wavering a little bit as far as what your expectations are perhaps for the remainder of the year. And guys can turn it around. I mean, we saw we saw Garrett Cole. Somewhat turn it around after a couple of rough starts with the New York Yankees. I think that Kikuchi can as well, but he's got to get that confidence, that mojo back. Soto mojo. Yeah, I, I would. I, I would say that I was encouraged by the way he played, and I was encouraged by the overall game. 
I was encouraged by the fact that even after they fell down early and it looked like they were getting dominated. How many times there there is there is some scar tissue that I have as a Mariner fan. There is some scar tissue that comes up when you see him not hitting, and I'm like, here we go again. That's exactly what happens to this team. When you see Mitch Haniger get thrown out at second trying to stretch yeah. a double, it wasn't I don't know if it was a bad base running decision. It was certainly an aggressive base running decision. He gets thrown out at second, and then you're like, oh, this looks like it's going to really bite him in the butt because the guys behind him are putting the ball in play. And you're like, oh, God, if he was on base now, you'd have the score tied, and instead you're wondering if they're going to bet. But then they no, put man, together a four-run rally. Yeah, they put together a four-run inning. D- Dylan Moore clobbered a home run there in, in, in Coors Field. They added another couple and hold on to win 6-4. It's a, it was a good performance by a good team. That's the kind of game that good teams win. Yeah, you win. You win your clunkers, as I say. Way I don't even often. know if it was a clunker, though. Like w- those are sort of ugly games where you're like, "Yeah, we didn't, we got away with one." That was a good performance okay. by them. How about how about I'll define it? And I I actually brought this up yesterday. Maybe not a clunker, but this is eating your veggies. It's not really impressive. You're doing what is necessary to accumulate the 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 wins by the end of the year. You're shaking your head. No, Eat this was an efficient. This was an efficient dinner that was made. Well, that's what veggies you didn't, are. You no, no veggie veggies are. You got to do the stuff that you don't really enjoy to be able to offset it. This was hey, I I only had forty five minutes to cook dinner and I put together a starch, a protein, and a vegetable, and it was totally it was totally acceptable. Is it the best meal that I ever? It's not the meal that I would make on a first date. It's not the meal that I would make that. But it was a totally effective, serviceable meal. By the way, uh, this sounds tasty, and I'm getting hungry. And what we are seeing right now from the Seattle Kraken as the expansion draft is around the corner, they are going defenseman heavy, Danny O'Neill. So defense, defense, defense. For those, yeah, it was what Chris Johnston told us earlier today to expect, right? Yes. And you could see some players that they'll they'll choose uh, becoming be, becoming players that they eventually end up trading. It is Danny Gallant. It's time for us to go around the NFL. It's time to go around the NFL. The bottom line on the biggest stories in the NFL every morning at 9.15 with Danny and Gallant. Good morning, Maura. Hi, guys. I like eating my vegetables. I don't think yeah. that negative. What's your favorite veggie? Mine? Uh, yeah. Oh, geez. Um, I I, I just throw them in I love some eggplant. Eggplant, really? yeah. I actually like Brussels sprouts, and I know they have Brussels a Brussels sprouts rap. are very good. They've yeah, they do get back. a bad rap. Brussels sprouts are delicious, especially if you cook them with bacon. Yes, they need that. That helps. Eggplant with some Italian seasoning on it, fried. Yeah. Ooh. Eggplant. Eggplant's the way to go. I used to make this Italian casserole every single week, and it always prominently featured eggplant. And then I found that it's not always so easy to find eggplant here. Which made me stop making it altogether. R.I.P. It was a good time. Those two years of eggplant casseroles. <laughs> what do we got, Maura? All right. First up, according to 247sports.com, Nick Saban said that when he left the Dolphins, he did so because they didn't land Drew Brees. He said, quote, so I decided right then when that happened that we don't have a quarterback in the NFL, we're not going to win. I'm getting out of here. I'm not staying here. I'm not going to be responsible for this. That doctor didn't know his bleep from a handful of sand. And he was referring to a uh, team doctor that failed Drew Brees on his physical. <laughs> Is we're 15 years removed from this? Saban, that this, by Nick Saban saying that, if you take him at his word here, it means he was a bald face or bold faced, however you want to say it, liar for an entire 12 months. 
because even toward the end of that subsequent season after he wasn't after Drew Brees wasn't signed, I mean Saban was there saying, "Do you need me to say it? I'm not going to be the Alabama coach." So if he decided before his second season that he wasn't sticking around, it means for that whole year, he he absolutely looked people in the eye and lied to them. Yeah. I will say this, though. I, I think that Stephen Ross, the owner of the Miami Dolphins, is one of the more underrated crap owners in sports. That organization's been an absolute dumpster fire. So why didn't Saban quit? Well, why didn't Saban just decide that, okay, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to go? And I'll tell you the answer to that question is because he's trying to cover his butt for the fact that he didn't succeed in the NFL and he's trying to blame everybody else. If if he wanted Drew Brees, he could have overruled that doctor. If he really wanted that to be the hill he was going to die on like he's pretending it is, he could have overruled that physical. Instead, they went out and signed Dante Culpepper and Culpepper was cooked. Maybe he needed a second season to realize that he preferred college football. And I look, the lying along the way, that's not good, especially if he had perhaps made up his mind. But I can understand maybe why he decided to pull the plug. I think that blaming it just on the Breeze decision, though, that's that's definitely Captain Hindsight. I've won a bunch of national titles. Who's going to question me on this? His staff hated him in Miami. He did not work as an NFL coach. And that... that it's not for everybody. And now he's trying to pretend it would have worked if he had been allowed to do what what he wanted. And that is 100% malarkey. He had all of the power. He was able to tell a, 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 a secretary. There were directives that were sent out about you're not to look the coach in the eye. Do not make small talk oh, with wow. him or, or compliment him on his haircut. See, Daniel he, Snyder? No, he threw a plant. At one of his receptionists, because he was mad about something. Was it an like, eggplant? And, and now he's trying to pretend, he's trying to pretend that, oh, it would have worked out if they would have just listened to me and it was all the idiots I was surrounded with. Nope, you were the dum-dum. You were the dum-dum. I, I also think, too, yeah, you gotta, you got to realize this. Sean Payton is a very good offensive mind, and there's a chance that Nick Saban could have had Drew Brees and it would not have worked out at all. And some of that does go back to the Dolphins just as an ownership group. They have been very bad. For a while. There's a reason New England won. It wasn't just, you know, the Jets. Miami and New York and Buffalo and their incompetence between those three teams was something else over the 20-year stretch. All right, Nick Saban actually uh, makes the headline in our second story as well. Um, This is more college, but has a former NFL player. Uh, Deion Sanders is making headlines after a SWAC media event. Um, first, he told the Clarion Ledger that he took issue with reporters calling him by his first name, saying, you don't call Nick Saban Nick, don't call me Dion. If you call Nick Saban Nick, you'll get cussed out on the spot, so don't do that to me. Treat me like Nick. Then reports surfaced that another Clarion Ledger reporter was blocked from entering the event one day after his story was published on a domestic violence charge against the highest-ranked high school recruit in program history. Well... You're getting a really high-ranked recruit, but at the same time, you're seeing the beginning of some real issues that Sanders is going to have to navigate through. The second story that you mentioned there is way more important than the first story. The The, the first story is a piddling sort of contest between two people over ego. If, if look, I always call coaches by their first name, like, and it's that's just a point of I, I think that's the proper decorum. Like I don't work for them. I don't. I, I'm it gonna. I call. I call him Pete. I call him Pete. 
So, but but if if what Dion says is right, they do call reporters refer to him as Coach Saban. They should refer to him as Coach Sanders. I get that. I don't think that's true, though. I think that that reporter calls Nick Saban Nick. And if you call Nick Nick, you should be able to call Dion Dion and not be challenged about it and sh- for showing. Proper Jamel deference. Hill tweeted out yesterday that she calls Nick Saban Nick and has never had yeah. an issue. Yeah. So I I think that's the second part. If you're going to cut off coverage of of your team because of scrutiny placed on a domestic violence allegation charge against an incoming recruit and you're going to deny access that's that's a huge that's a huge red flag there i'm not sure what the proper way to do it if you want to prevent questions from being asked of people who were not involved in that i don't know if another player should be asked but the idea of cutting off someone's access because they've reported on that is ridiculous. And that's something that snowballs because that's going to bring people that aren't from the Clarion Ledger. That's how you get The Athletic on your case or ESPN on your case when at first this probably was something that only a couple of people would talk about, right? I mean, we're not talking about a marquee program. What kind of, I guess, backlash would there be? This is how you stir up the hornet's nest of reporters who are going to start digging real deep into what's going on there. You're talking about it from a practical angle, and I agree with you. I'm talking about from a moral or ethical angle. Yeah. To ask whether a person who has been accused, charged at, with domestic violence should be getting a scholarship to to a school, should be brought on campus, is a very fair and important question that should be asked. And if you're going to deny access to a reporter because they've reported on that, like there are some serious ethical problems that I would have as a university employing someone who did that. No doubt about it. Also, what are we supposed to call Dion? Your worship? <laughs> Prime time! Prime! Prime! We are yeah, not acceptable. We we don't we don't live in England. Like this idea of titles that some people need, I don't get it. Like with politicians or athletes, I don't get it. it bothers me. Anywho, let's gonna wrap it up around the NFL. No, do we have something? Yeah, else? I was just gonna squeeze in that KJ Wright was on Sirius XM Radio. Said there's still a chance between uh, the Seahawks and him for a reunion, and that he thinks they're just waiting till training camp. So. He's saying there's still a chance. There's still a chance. I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him. We'll see how that works out. Uh, Seeing that Alexander True, a forward from the San Jose Sharks, has also been selected by the the Seattle Kraken as part of their expansion draft today. All of the picks, all of the picks will be unveiled today at 5 p.m. We've still got two tickets to Saturday's Mariners game that we're going to give away in the next half hour. Coming up next, some titles mean more. Milwaukee's is one of those. We'll tell you why. You are listening to Danny and Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Aired in the background right there. What an amazing moment for the city of Milwaukee. They finally win an NBA championship after 50 years of none. And it's a city that obviously had, a long time ago, one of the best basketball players ever in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And 
He leaves. He goes to the Lakers. And it's been difficult for them ever since. And it's one of those cities, too, that you sort of look at and you don't really assume that they're ever going to be able to have that same kind of success, just given the way that basketball is these days, Danny. And yet, they had here we a couple are. good teams in the 80s. Terry Cummings, Sidney Moncrief. Like, they had Ricky Pierce. They had, they had a big three then. They got... They get to the the Eastern Conference Finals with Ray Allen the year that True. the 76ers went there. What? But Milwaukee's going to be a team that has to build from within, right? They're never going to be a super team because nobody's going to choose. If you have high-powered free agents, they're not going to choose to congregate in Milwaukee. They're going to probably choose New York, New Jersey. They're going to probably choose Brooklyn, Miami, L.A., like these are those are those are the places right. that the, if if the super team is going to be what wins NBA titles, you're probably going to see it in one of those three cities, maybe Chicago, maybe Houston, something like that. It's not going to be in Wisconsin. I'm glad you mentioned super teams because after Giannis Antetokounmpo's 50 point performance in Game Six to help the Milwaukee Bucks claim last night's NBA title, here's what Giannis had to say about the idea of super teams. You know, obviously, I want I wanted to get the job done. You know, uh, they, but that's my stubborn side. Like it's easy to go somewhere and go and win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go. I, I don't want to put anybody in the spot, but I could go to a super team, and you know, just do my part and win a championship. Still one. But this is the hard way to do it, and this is the way. And we did it. We did it. We did it, man. Then he smooches the trophy, which was fantastic. I- the one thing I would say, I don't think he's right about it being easy to do it with a super team. I don't think it's easy. I, 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 it's easier, but I, I wouldn't say it's easy. Most times, super teams, and this is the thing we get wrong, most times super teams don't win titles. It, it is the out exception. the first year for LeBron, that's for sure. Right. I mean, they lost well, to a very, I would say, significantly inferior Dallas Mavericks team when they went up against them in that 2012 finals. Didn't work out for the Nets this year. Now we'll see what happens next year. It did. The Warriors was different because that was one player being added to already a championship team, but it's it's not easy with a super team. It is easier though, and I I don't think they mean as much. I don't think those titles mean as much. I don't think they mean as much to the fans, and I don't think ultimately they mean as much to the players as the title that mm. the Bucks won this year is going to mean to Giannis and Chris Middleton and all the Bucks fans because of the way the way they got it right. And uh, it, Miami actually won in 2011, just clarifying on, on my own front. I, I'm with you here. And, but there's, a, there's an interesting question that comes out of this. Does loyalty to a sports organization pay off in the end? Because for Giannis, it did. But that's not always the case. And we definitely root to see guys like Giannis who legitimately came from nothing. The guy was on the streets of Athens selling DVDs and, and sunglasses, and all of a sudden he, he talks about the hard way. I mean, he's gone the most difficult route you possibly could be to become eventually an NBA superstar. This is a guy that's not even from the United States of America originally, somehow stumbles into a basketball gym, and it's really Disney story-esque. But for a lot of guys, you can understand why they might leave an organization that's not so good. And it's easy to criticize it. I'll, I'll, I'll admit, hand up, like I, I criticized the way that LeBron James left the Cleveland Cavaliers, but it was more about the way that he did it. If you go back in time and look at it, I mean, he had no help around him. And I can understand why he got frustrated. But for other situations, too, you look at Kevin Durant. Man, they were so close to beating Golden State. And, nah. and, and then he goes to join Golden State, and he wins the two titles, and he's always going to have those two rings on his resume, but he is never going to be appreciated 
in the same way that someone like Giannis will be. And, you know, when you are someone like Kevin Durant, where you're considered at times to be the best basketball player in the world, where you have the titles, where you have all the money, that would eat at me. And, you know, so to an extent, there is, I think, a an area where, you know, maybe you should just be loyal to the organization that takes you in. But at the same time, Danny, I know you say bleep the bosses all the time. And a lot of bosses in sports are not good. Depends on what you want as a player. And that's ultimately where I go. I do. I'll always love Steph Curry more than I love Kevin Durant. I, I, I always will. And I'll feel that way. Durant's got some roots in Seattle that I feel a great deal of affection for and how he likes the city. But you won two titles with Golden State. I'll always feel differently about Steph Curry because Steph Curry was drafted there and they won the first title with him. But I don't begrudge Durant that decision. I thought it was... What I thought was lame about LeBron's move was about him joining another guy's team. Right? Like There was some of me that's like, okay, that, that shows you part of his personality. It may be a little bit with Durant too. That he didn't he didn't necessarily want to be the guy, like he didn't that that, that there there was a certain amount that like it showed you mm. that he saw himself as more of a complimentary piece or Maybe. wanted to be part of than the, than this single. I, I but I, don't I know, it depends it depends on what a player wants. It, it it certainly does, and I mean these are the things that you live with after the fact. I don't think you actually know what you're getting into until we get a couple of years removed from it. But I don't think that. I don't think that LeBron James joined the Heat thinking that he was a secondary figure to Dwayne Wade, no matter what the perception was. Much like, I, I doubt that Durant felt that way either, because Durant probably thinks he's the best player in basketball. And that's the unique thing about basketball. You have probably like nine or ten guys who think that they're legitimately the best player in the world, even though it's really just LeBron or Kevin Durant probably at this point in time. And, and you could definitely make an argument for Giannis, but as far as the overall skill set, he's not quite on their level in terms of the things that they are able to do as players. But um, yeah, I... When I, I, I see guys go it go at it that route, like I get why they do it. You don't want to end up like Charles Barkley, who is constantly getting ragged on by Shaquille O'Neal on Inside the NBA, and no matter how much better maybe Charles Barkley, you could argue, was better than Shaquille O'Neal overall in his career. And that's a, he that's, wasn't a that's a subject. You don't think so? Okay, Shaquille, no, okay, God, no. Subjective. Shaq's one of the five best players of all time. Where, where, where's Charles Barkley? Like fifteen, something like that. Yeah, top twenty, top twenty, okay. top twenty-five. Forget maybe? I said that. Forget, forget I said that. I'm going to move back onto it, but. Do you want to be someone like Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, John Stockton? Insert so many players, Patrick Ewing, so many players from the 90s who you're like, yeah, but he never won a ship. So I understand why Durant goes about it that way or why LeBron went about it that way or why James Harden is now going about it that way after what, like eight years in Houston where he played well but not in the playoffs. Depends on what would make you happy as a player. And I think some players don't know. I think some players are figuring it out, and that's not uncommon because a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to find a job or do a job in a way that makes them happy. But I don't look at it and say, if it's important to you to win a title, is it wrong that you sign as a free agent somewhere that gives you a shot to do that? Was, was, was Gary Payton wrong to win a championship with, with the Miami Heat? Absolutely not. Was he wrong? He got traded from Seattle. He didn't even have the choice. So those, those sort of questions, it depends on what you want as a player. If you want to prove that you're the best player— in, in the world, if you want to pl- prove that you're the best player in history, your best path toward that is staying in one place and having the team built around you to do that. Because if you go and join someone else's team or go and join, there's always going to be something hanging over you about you had to leave to get it done. There has to be a certain point, though, where it's acceptable. Like, say you're no longer the same player that you used to be, right? When Gary Payton's in, in, in Miami winning it, was Gary Payton still Gary Payton? I no. mean, he was, yeah, he was still a good player, but he was not a superstar. So Shaq and Dwayne Wade's team. Right, exactly. So 
there, I think that there maybe is a cutoff, like when you can determine that the guy's not quite the guy anymore. You could say, well, hey, look, he gave it the honest college try, and we're going to root for him to win one. I would say in hockey, an example of this would be Ray Bork with the Boston Bruins, who played for them for such a long period of time. He gets traded to the Colorado Avalanche, and they finally win, and everyone's like, yeah, this is great. And I imagine that he probably forced his way out of town. In it a, means to less, man. It means less when you do it that way. It means less than when you're a great player who, who wins it as, a, as an auxiliary player with another franchise. It means less. It doesn't mean it's worthless, but it means less. Danny O'Neill, Paul Gallant. It's Danny and Gallant, 710 ESPN Seattle. We wrap up an interesting morning right here on Danny and Gallant with our flags next. Don't go anywhere. From the pocket, and flags everywhere. Flag on the play. Now there's a flag down. Every morning at 945 with Danny and Gallant. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. If the noise persists, the defense will be charged with a timeout. Flag on the play. We want to send you to Saturday's Mariners game. In fact, we're going to give you the opportunity right now. In a minute... If you're listening on the radio, or 30 seconds if you're listening on the stream, call 206-421-3776, 866-979-3776. Got to wait a minute on the radio, 30 seconds on the stream. Caller number three is going to win two tickets to Saturday's game, July 24th. It's Mariners Retro Jersey. We're giving away a pair of Mariners tickets each hour today, so stay tuned to 710 ESPN Seattle for your next chance to win. You can also go look at tickets for a game. First 10,000 fans getting those retro jerseys at Mariners.com. Paul, would you like to go first today? I would. Would, Are you sure? We're going to start by throwing a flag. We will eventually raise one. Danny, your guy, Emmanuel Acho, go get him because he's at it again. Here's Emmanuel Acho on Fox Sports 1 with the take. Yesterday, before Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks won the NBA title. Can Giannis not be the face of the NBA? Because the face of the NBA must be relatable. Mm. LeBron James. You know mm. LeBron James' mama knows mama's name. You know his wife. You know the kids' names. We know Bronny. We know Bryce. We know Zuri. We know the characters' names Zuri. from the Space Jam. We know all them cats. Kobe, the late, great Kobe mm, Bryant. Right. We knew Kobe Bryant. We knew his upbringing. We knew why he knew so many different languages. We played at Lower Mary in high school. We knew his high school jersey number. We knew he repped the 3-3. Knew he was from mm. PA. We knew all that. I literally knew close to zero of those things that were just laid out here. And this is what frustrates me about Danny Acho's take. But if you have a response to Acho right there, please fire away because it looks like you want to say something. Isn't that the same take that Stephen A. Smith had about Shohei Otani? Yeah, it is. It is like... Isn't, isn't it the exact same thing? It's like if Pepsi tried to rip off Orange Coke. It's And you would think like a week later, you would learn from having a take this bad. And yet, that's how he started it off. And he starts it off by talking about how we don't know a whole lot about Giannis Antetokounmpo. I guess we don't, but you should. Because Giannis Antetokounmpo is the epitome of... What a Disney movie should be about any basketball player. So for those who don't know, Giannis's parents were Nigerian immigrants to Greece. They did not technically have citizenship in Greece when they moved there. And the other thing about Giannis is that Giannis is a guy who did not start playing basketball until he was 12 years old. His parents were uh, his father was a soccer star actually back in Nigeria. So basically, his family is constantly is threatening, uh, facing the threat of deportation back to Nigeria. There's anti-immigrant attitudes in Greek society. 
And at the same time, Giannis was technically never even a Greek citizen at the very beginning of his career. So these, uh, this one guy decides, Spiros Villanatis, who was a coach in the Greek amateur basketball leagues, began scouting him and basically offered Giannis's parents the ability to get better paying jobs in exchange for the right to train all of the Giannis and, of Giannis and uh, Antetokounmpo and his brothers, basically as long as they could. And we have seen Giannis just develop from this, you know, guy who looked honestly like a puppy when he first came into the NBA. He's so big, he's so long, but he grew into his frame. Such a likable guy. To say that he's not relatable is just such, I think, a slap to the face of all of the things that Giannis Antetokounmpo has overcome to eventually become an NBA champion and a two-time MVP. His story might be the best that we will ever see in the NBA, seeing where he came from and where he's at now. And I could not be more happy for him, Danny. I'm not going to lie. I I teared up watching him accept the title, and I had no reason to. This is not a guy that I grew up rooting for. I, I have no ties to Milwaukee in any way, shape, or form. And yet I could not help but just be so happy that he had a 50-point performance to win his first ever NBA title. It was just absolutely incredible. And this is an incredible young man who has, I think, done just all the things that you hope to see out of an athlete, where he completely changed he and his family's life by playing a game, and a game that we all get to root for him for, and he gets to do it in the city that picked him, that started off as the worst team in the NBA his rookie year. It's just such an awesome story, and I'm so happy for him. So, flag thrown on Acho, flag raised to Giannis. You think Acho is underestimating the the amount that people can like and root for and connect with athletes who don't resemble them, either in their life story or even in physical appearance? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I mean. Do you think, do you think that that's what's going on? Because it's like you're saying that he's factually incorrect, that the idea that he's not relatable is incorrect. I do, even though I haven't gone through the things that he's gone through, I, I, I relate to him and am moved by his story. I think I relate to him, you know, more. I, 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 it makes me appreciate all the amazing things that I have had given to me just basically by being alive, you know? And yeah, I, it's, it's, it's bizarre that that is something that he does not see as being able to make him, I guess, the face of basketball. Maura, what do you got? Uh, well, I'm going to continue the Giannis love. I wanted to raise a flag for him uh, driving around with his trophies today. Uh, it, he's got one in his lap um, while he is at Chick-fil-A ordering a massive amount of uh, nuggets, which I also respect. Here's a little bit of that. Can I have a 50 piece? Sorry, I will put you. Uh, can I put your camera? Do you mind or no? Sure. <laughs> I just, uh, there's 150,000 people watching you right now. Really? Yes. <laughs> so can I, can I have, please, a 50 piece Mac Minis, 50 exactly, okay. not 51, not 49 chicken minis, yes, 50. And um, let me have a large drink, no ice, half Sprite, half lemonade. Just living his best life on his Instagram live, eating <laughs> lots of cool. nuggets with his trophies. Can you imagine what it's like today? He's just like, I just realized my dream. Like, how many people get that moment where you're like, I for the next. How how long? Week? I'm just going to be perpetually smiling. Like I, nobody's, nothing's going to be able to happen to me that's going to make me sad. 
like barring a horrible death or something like that. I mean, <laughs> Jeez, yeah, you're right. right? You're right. Like, I mean, tragedy still could affect him. But for right now, it's like all of the professional scrutiny and all of the different things. Like, none of it matters. Like, I won. Isn't this what everyone plays sports for? In yes. some way, shape, or form. Whether you're feeling that at a lower level, as a kid playing a sport, at the high school level, college. I mean, this is legitimately what it's all about. And man, I, all the things he's overcome. It's just such a cool story. Uh, I'm going to throw a flag. I'm going to go from that heartwarming, ha- uh, that heartwarming sequence. Throwing a flag on the Oakland A's. Have you seen the, the latest turn? In their, no. in their trying to extort a ballpark out of Oakland. <laughs> no. Well, the Oakland City Council voted 6-1 to one to approve the the, the measure, like a, an, an offer for the Oakland A's to stay there. And now the A's are saying that that yes vote was actually a no vote because we haven't oh, pre-agreed to those oh, terms. God. So it's they're trying to be the victims while saying like, they're giving us an offer that we haven't already agreed to, so it's not in good faith. They, they didn't approve our our custom-made plan. It's hilarious if it wasn't so sad. You're watching a team that's like, well, we have no choice but to leave because they— No, they're making you an offer. You're just wanting more of a sweetheart deal somewhere else. It's, it's not news. It's not surprising that a professional sports franchise would hold a city over a barrel and try to say, you need to give us exactly what I want. But— Rarely is it flayed out in such naked circumstances as this. They've made an offer. It's just not to the A's liking because it doesn't have enough of it, it doesn't have enough of the things that they want to make sure are in there. If you were living in Oakland, what would you be rooting for right now? Because it's hard and we saw this with the Seattle Mariners and their fight for a new stadium in the nineties. It's it's hard to empathize with the city that is looking at it from a budgetary perspective that also might see your team leave. But at the same time, when the team's being a bunch of jack wagons, then what are you supposed to do here? I, I would hate to be someone living in Oakland right now, especially after they lost the Warriors not too long ago and the Raiders too. Yeah. Um, I would want to keep the A's. Same. The, the, the park sounds like a great place. I would get to a point where I'm like, fine, go. I, I, I would I would get Dang. to the point where it's like fine go like if you don't or even looking at it as saying hey I personally vote to stay but if a city decides that it's not worth appeasing a professional sports franchise who's trying to hold some other better offer against you there there would be a point of like I'm not I think you guys are jerks even if I wish you would stay I think you guys are the jerks yeah I feel bad for Oakland this stinks I mean you're losing yeah, all Oakland's of your teams city. in five years that's that's just bogus. Actually, you know what? It's the A's. How long have they not spent? How long have they chosen to be poor? A like long the A's, time. like they've had a decision. Like you can always spend more. Right. No, forget the A's. I'd be furious with them. Go stink somewhere else. <laughs> Standing Gallant. We want to thank well, Chris Johnston for joining us. Michael Bumpus as well. Want to thank Maura Dooley for everything she did to keep Incredible job, us Maura. going this morning, the first half hour. Want to thank the people that were listening this morning. We apologize for the technical difficulties that accompanied the first half we hour. We appreciate you so much. Seriously. So, so long. Farewell. And Monday, or excuse me, Thursday morning at 7, we will be on the air. No no, Mike Greenberg. No Greeny. Kicking him out. No Greeny. It was a one-day trial. It didn't work. Just me next. <laughs>